Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Unfiltered Real People, Real Conversations podcast, where we sit down with survivors, stakeholders, and community members and have unscripted conversations about their lives, their work, and what's happening within their community. You get an opportunity to have your questions answered and learn a little bit more about them from a different perspective. You can find us on Facebook at Indiana Coalition to End Sexual Assault and Human Trafficking or follow along with us on Instagram at IkessaHT. Be sure to hashtag us at Unfiltered with IkessaHT. Now let's get into it. Hi, listeners. My name is Morgan Whiting, and I am the statewide SART coordinator with the Indiana Coalition to End Sexual Assault and Human Trafficking. And it is my pleasure to introduce Genevieve Meyer. Genevieve is, a, Genevieve is a fierce advocate and a wealth of knowledge in the state of Indiana, especially in terms of child marriage. She is currently the co-founder and COO of Resiliency Foundation, whose mission is to help victims and survivors of child marriage, human trafficking, and sexual abuse become survivors. Today, our goal is to give listeners insight into the past, present, and future existence of child marriage. So welcome, Genevieve. Uh, would you like to give a formal introduction to the group? Thank you. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you for having me today. Um, I think your introduction summed it up. I'm Genevieve Meyer, and I am the co-founder and currently executive director of uh, Resiliency Foundation, where we aim to eliminate child marriage and sexual exploitation through education, advocacy, and awareness. Awesome. Executive director. That's great. Um How long have you been in that role and how long has the Resiliency Foundation been in existence? Uh, The Resiliency Foundation was launched out of necessity in 2019. So um, this fall will be our second year, if you can believe it. Wow. Wow. I can't. That's awesome, though. Um, So it's two years old. Even though you've only been around for two years, I'm sure that you can give us a good lens into what child marriage has looked like in the past in Indiana and how society has responded to child marriage in the past. So can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Um, well, I'm a lived experience expert, as they say. Um, I was forced into a marriage at the age of 15. My perpetrator was 43 years old and the marriage occurred in order to cover up that a crime had been committed. Um, so I married him and then he wasn't prosecuted. And then I yeah, I had the pleasure of uh, untangling myself from that, which took um, several several decades. But I kept quiet about my story and my situation. Um, I thought that I was the only person that ever happened to. I thought it was just some kind of fluke thing that it only happened to me. And then somewhere around 2014, 2015, you began seeing articles and um, stories in the media about other American child brides that were stepping out of the shadows and sharing their experiences of being married um, under under 18 and mm-hmm. what that looked like. And I quickly realized that I absolutely was not alone. There was other people that had gone through this um, and the trajectory had looked really similar to my life um, as far as lack of education and poverty and, and all of the obstacles um, that come with trying to exit Uh, marriage that you entered in as a child. Mm. So I decided to share my story with my local community here in Northeast Indiana. And that was kind of one of the first questions that I got was, is this still happening? What does it look like today? 
And I was curious. Uh, so I began um, looking around and um, I have a background in research, so that's helpful. And so I knew where to get, you know, information on this and reached out to some other organizations that had the data on it and just started having this conversation about, you know, what does it look like today? Um, how often does it occur? What's being done to address it? And then um, I learned that there was a quickly growing movement um, to end child marriage across the United States. And um, so far, no movement had been made in um, our state of Indiana. So in, uh, when I started this journey in 2019, uh, you could get married at the age of 15 in Indiana if you were pregnant and you had a, per a parent's consent. Um, so that was kind of one of the first things that we, we set out to address. We started with education, um, letting people know what that looked like, um, mm -hmm. what, what the harms were for this practice, mm -hmm. how prevalent it was, and how to, um, how to advocate for that in the legislative arena to get that changed, to protect Hoosier minors. Got it. So could you give folks, um, maybe, I don't know if we have a, a federal definition or a state definition of what child marriage or forced marriage is, but could you give folks a little background of what, what advocates would look for, or maybe what signs folks would look for, what, what defines a child trafficking, I'm sorry, a child marriage case? Sure. So a child marriage is anyone married under the age of 18, and that can be one or both parties. Um, it is actually considered a human rights violation, and it is actually um, um, considered um, against the law, sort of. So there's, there's some laws that say, you know, it's illegal and you can't do that. But then what we see is there's exceptions to that. So in most states across the United States, the age to marry um, on your own of your own free will is 18. But then sometimes states add in a pregnancy exemption, and that will drop the age much lower. Or sometimes if parents consent to the marriage and parents sign away um, that the child can get married, then that will drop the age lower as well. And in some states, there's not even an age four. We also have an issue on the federal level that um, there's no minimum age requirement to petition for a spousal visa. So if you have an American citizen, you can um, have them be married in a different country and then petition for that spouse then to come over. So the, 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 the farthest combination we've seen is a three-year-old child. And um, I think the, the spouse uh, that they petitioned for was about 70 years old. So that's kind of what things look like on the federal level um, and then the state level. So every state sets their own standards, and um, it's just different from state to state. So since we changed our law in Indiana, for example, right now, now parents can take their children up to Michigan where there's no age floor and um, possibly get a marriage accomplished there. <clears throat> and those, um, those marriages would still be recognized by the, the state that they lived in or not? Yes, the United States recognizes the marriages from different states as well as um, from different countries. Okay. Um, you know, I know you've talked a little bit about laws and policies so far. Are there any, I mean, from what it sounds like, there definitely are some loopholes out there that, you know, folks are still using to be able to still commit this, um, what many of us call crime. Um, are there any laws or policies that you can think of that we're 100% lacking in 
um, within the state or even across the, the country? Um, well, I believe that the way to effectively address this issue and to completely eradicate it would be for all states to have an 18 no exceptions limit on marriage. And what could you filter or uh, kind of flush that out a little bit? What would that kind of entail? Sure. So um, it's it's left up to individual state cons- constitutions. Um, and so there it's within their state constitution. Uh, so to give you an example, there's only four states in the U.S. since 2015 that have completely banned child marriage, meaning that no one can get married under the age of 18, no exceptions. And so that would be um, New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota. All of the rest of the states are combinations. So like in our state, it's 16 um, as long as you meet certain criteria. Now, the protections that we put in place, um, a 16-year-old can petition for marriage. We've taken out the pregnancy loophole, so there's not to be a pregnancy there. Um, We've removed a parental consent loophole, which what we found in talking with survivors and looking at the statistics is a lot of times parental consent is really more like parental coercion. Um, And so... um, you know, a, a, a guardian at litem is, is um, appointed for the child. They have to meet an emancipation test. There's a 15-day waiting period. There's a background check run on adult spouses. So really a lot of obstacles there to get a mar- um, to accomplish a marriage of a minor in Indiana. It's not impossible. Um, and we're closely mm-hmm. monitoring to see if um, there's any additional loopholes, which are still being taken advantage of. But as of right now, those are the protections that we were able to put into place as of July 1st of last year. Okay, great. I know that you've been really hard at work in Indiana with getting some of this passed. And um, I know if there are continued loopholes that you will be really active in and addressing those. So, you know, mm-hmm. thank you for what you've done so far. Uh, because, you know, like you, you said, there there are loopholes definitely. And it, it ranges from across the country. Right. So um, it does. And, and one of, one of the areas that we, we really look closely at is um, you know, the, the marriage in Indiana, for example, has to be approved by a judge if a minor is involved, but it's really the, the level of discretion there can vary a lot. So I'll give you an example of one of the other survivors who's a friend of mine and testified sure. with me um, last year at, at the state house she was 14 when she met her um, 18-year-old soon-to-be husband, and she she was already coming out of a different difficult situation. Was in a family re- reunification process. We hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, she became pregnant, and so the solution was to get married. So she married this her um, 18-year-old um, father of her child when she was 15. He spent several months in jail of the first year of their marriage because he had also slept with another member of her class. So the girl's the same age. And she says the only difference is is one parent chose to prosecute and one parent made me marry. Wow. Wow. So you have touched on it a bit that parents really do have play a critical role in all of this, Um, whether it's giving permission or... Um, I mean, various things. So, I mean, that's well, incre- go ahead. Well, and sometimes parents, um, 
you know, they don't have nefarious reasons for marrying their children. I know a common one is, you know, my daughter got pregnant. We have a baby coming. Um, we're looking for stability to build stability in the baby's life. And so, you know, they have the intention of creating this union, this marriage to create stability in the baby's life. But if you look at actual research and statistics, you see that child marriage where one or more parties as a minor has up to an 80% divorce rate. Mm. And so what you're actually doing is rather than providing a stable environment for this child, you're providing the first of many broken homes. Right. And studies show that girls that remain at home with their parents and receive the support from their parents and their family far much better than girls that get married. That's very interesting. You know, I was wondering how society kind of uh, perpetuates this continued occurrence of child marriage and um you know just thinking of where I'm from there is a lot of that mindset of you know if you're young no matter what age you are really uh, if you do get pregnant um there's almost this expectation for that marriage and I think a lot of that assumption comes from that well in order for this child to be happy and healthy no matter what is going on between the parents per se age-wise being in the same household is, is better. Um, but what you're saying with this, the study is that that's not necessarily true. Um, the research suggests that it's, that it's unfortunately not um, true. And, you know, um, having people get married doesn't automatically, you know, make them grow up and mature and be ready for that relationship. Right. So put a ring on someone does not automatically make them a parent or a spouse. And you don't have to be married to be a family. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, you know, that's an interesting societal shift that we could potentially work on. Um, and it would not kind of reinforce this, this idea of child marriage, especially with that teenage age of, you know, if they're 14 or 15, 18, it's not a big difference, but it really can be. Um, oh, it absolutely can be. Uh, we had a case recently where um, one party was 15 and one party was 17. And the 17 year old was just really aggressive um, for wanting um, nude pictures and just act very, acted very sexually aggressive towards this 15 year old. And we don't have statutory rape laws in Indiana and the age of consent is 16. And you have these like this gray area of the Romeo and Juliet laws. And the parents were trying to get help um, because they felt like this person was just really unduly pressuring their, 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 their child. And um, the, the, um, the feedback that they got from law enforcement was they're close in age, you know, it'll fiddle out soon, we're not going to do anything. And I just remember the father saying, you know, I just want law enforcement to show up and tell this 17 year old young man that it's not okay to do this. Mm. You know, and that might have like really, you know, changed the trajectory here of just having someone say someone of authority saying it's not OK to do this. Right. Um, but, the, you know, the 15 year old girl, she just definitely she, she just um, ultimately, you know, shut down her social media and withdrew and, you know, just felt so embarrassed and ashamed and traumatized by all this. Whereas the 17 year old kind of just moved on to the next 15 year old. Right. Right. So, you know, just because we're under 18, just because we're not like, you know, it's not an age difference like mine, you know, 15 and 43, you can still have aggressive, unhealthy and predatory behavior. Sure. Absolutely. Um, 
examples of good trainings out there that um, maybe other states are doing that help with this mindset and help because like you said that that intervention that would have been a great intervention at that point um, for that officer or someone to have stood up and said you can't be doing that Um, but instead it almost continued on and was perpetuated um, kind of like rape culture so I don't know if you know any uh, you know good tools or resources for agencies and those working that they can lean on to get some of this information. Well, Morgan, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, there absolutely are. Um, Tahare Center for Justice has great trainings. Okay. Um, the YWCA, they also train on teen. Um, there's a couple other organizations that have been doing this for a little while out there, national organizations. Unchained at Last is a great place for um, resources and legislative updates, and they are doing a lot of work um, on the forefront. In fact, um, there was a tweet today, um, big shout out, that we currently have six states in the U.S. that have introduced new legislation um, wow. this year to end child marriage. And they have, um, you can go to their website, there's toolkits and handouts, and you also can um, request trainings. Also, Tahare Center for Justice, also, um, they come out and they will do trainings at your organization for free. Um, great folks, I've done trainings with them on several occasions, as well as resources and toolkits there as well. Um, the AHA Foundation, the AH Foundation, um, they work on child marriage as well as um, female genital mutilation. So again, uh, amazing, amazing organization for toolkits and information and resources. And then our foundation, we have uh, been hard at work last year to create um, some of our own toolkits. Um, that just really focus on 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 what the landscape and um, what it looks like in kind of the Midwest region of the United States, which is where we are. And um, so we um, we have uh, presentations on child marriage that we can do virtually or in person. I'm always happy to consult with agencies um, like we did that a lot in 2019. We talked with um, domestic violence um, agencies and we talked about, you know, taking a look at their screening procedures and, mm. you know, just not really realizing that when a young young woman comes in and she's already got four kids and she's only 21 years old, um, you know, if you if you dig a little deeper, you learn um, often that she was married at 15 or 16 and, you know, it didn't have a way to support herself, wasn't able to finish her, her education. Um, you know, a, ch- a child and adult married is an automatic power imbalance that just invites abuse. Right. So um, that's what we have going on. And then at the at the foundation, we also have other trainings that, that uh, we're getting ready to launch and some toolkits. Our website is currently awesome. under construction because all of that is going up there. But we will also be looking at responding to and how to um, report online child exploitation material. Because that's something that we hear a lot of um, uh, professionals of like, okay, I've come across this and I'm not sure who to report it or how to report it or what happens next. Um, as well as how to um, respond when um, your child or somebody that you're caring for has been um, sexually abused uh, because how you how you respond in that time of crisis can make a big difference to rather it's a lifetime of trauma or um, something that they can move past a little quicker so you know, we know that, that support and that response to those tragic events 
can make a huge difference. So offering um, some guidance and supports for parents and caregivers of children who have been abused. And then also, since I worked in the healthcare industry for a long time, um, we also um, will be finishing up a training and a toolkit package on um, how healthcare providers can be- better respond to um, trafficking child marriage survivors as well as child sexual abuse. Wow, those are some incredible resources. And I love how you are getting specific resources for specific fields. You know, I think that's going to get even greater buy-in and even, um, you know, better understanding of of how this impacts the role that you're currently doing, you know? Um, and I, I just want to point out something that, you know, with telling us about the resources um, across the country and then also the fact that you are here in Indiana providing resources on child marriage. One thought that is often out there about when it, you know, in terms of child marriage and forced marriage is that's an international issue. That's Absolutely. not happening here. And so, you know, I'm, we have an organization in Indiana to address this. So, you know, Mm -hmm. can you speak a little bit to that myth and, um, you know, the fact that you're here tells us that we obviously need this resource. Absolutely. Um, so child marriage, it happens in every community, every ethnicity, every religion, every race, every upbringing, every background, it happens in all communities here in the U S as well as around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, that the, when we have conversations about human trafficking, too, and you had brought up um, female genital mutilation, which is also a thought that, you know, that's not happening here. So um, I just think it speaks right. volumes that you're here addressing these issues and we have resources in Indiana that we can go to, such as the Resiliency Foundation, to get some of those information. So you know, I just encouraging listeners, we, we have this resource here and also these awesome resources across the country um, that you all can, you know, tune into too. So from your perspective, Genevieve, where do you think we're heading in terms of, um, you know, addressing child marriage in, in the state of Indiana and even maybe policies or laws that we are hoping to put in place? Where, where do you think the future of this conversation is going? Sure. Well, it's part of a, a bigger movement. Um, we're definitely not isolated in what we're doing. In terms of child marriage, the data is often difficult and it's grossly underrepresented. So that is an issue that we run across all the time. Um, the same with um, female genital mutilation. I know there are other child marriage survivors that will speak out about that, but they will not speak out about that part because it is still so traumatic and Mm. shameful. Mm -hmm. That's not part of my lived experience. Um, but I know that it, it does go hand in hand and there's, there are a lot of cases and these, these occurrences aren't, you know, really happening at the pediatrician's office. They're not happening, you know, at a Mm. medical clinic. They're happening behind closed doors in people's homes and not necessarily in a sterile environment. And so you also have things like that with child marriage as well. Um, You know, girls that are married to adults overseas that sometimes they've never even met before. You also have um, what's called spiritual marriages, and that's where um, a couple will be married in their church or religious house. And it's just kind of kept hush-hush within the community. 
until they're old enough to legally be married. And so to address that, it really involves um, educating the community and partnering with key, key people in those communities. And you're going to have to bring about that change from within. So, you Absolutely. know, educating them on the harms of teenage pregnancy. You know, every adolescent pregnancy is a high risk pregnancy. Um, teen girls die often all over mm-hmm. the world, even here in America, mm-hmm. of, um, you know, in childbirth. And, um, you know, just, just talking to families that, you know, your child could finish her education. She could... Um, you know, go on to have uh, an income to help take care of the family, you know, if that's something that that's part of your value system and, and, and you really, really need to, you know, she doesn't need to marry the guy down the street um, to um, bring, bring financial income into the family. Right. So, you know, just approaching that with empathy and understanding and making sure that it's a conversation, but those are um, changes that are going to need to be made within the community. Yeah, I love that. You know, I think we talk a lot about in this movement and sexual violence in general is that if we're really going to end it or even reduce it, we have to have those community conversations, that community input, um, and really understanding as a community. You know, I, I know years ago with, within the human trafficking world, we were just starting in Southern Indiana, just really starting to have conversations about child marriage and forced marriage. And literally within that same day that we, we held a conference and started this conversation, we had someone make a call that there was a case in Southern Indiana. And Mm -hmm. I remember that moment because, you know, even as I I would, I would go and talk to people and even as a professional um, would not often be able to give insight into, are we really seeing it in Southern Indiana? And so it just took that conversation happening And someone said, wait, I recognize that in that call made. Um, And so I'm with you. That community piece and having that community support is is crucial. Um, Mm -hmm. And I hear that so often of just that it's hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And so and, you know, you always have like a group of people and there's different people that that bring different aspects to the table. But we'll we'll do a training and it's not uncommon to at least have one or two in there that are, you know, kind of skeptical and like this doesn't really happen or this doesn't really happen in the U.S. or something. And then, you know, once once they actually hear about it and they learn about it and they see how pervasive and how it just kind of trickles into so many different areas and that you've really been seeing it the whole time, you just didn't realize, you know, how it was woven together and how it was connected. And that's why we know and we know anybody who's in this field that works with survivors who, you know, is entrusted with their stories and part of the community we know that the data is grossly underrepresented. Right. Uh, we know that there are so many more um, just based on, you know, the, 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 the amount of, of people coming forward and, sh- and stories that are shared. Yes. Gosh, I feel like just, just with that, there's so much, uh, so many questions I have I could give you. And I feel like we could talk about this all day. Um, you don't want me to go down, <laughs> the, down the data trail. It'll start sounding like some kind of academic nerd conference. Well, because, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so what does that say? I, I wonder what data shows about boys in, in child marriage cases or, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. there's, there's just like a degree. And I think yes. that those are questions we ask with all forms of sexual, you know, we're working as a yes. movement to better be inclusive, but I'm sure that that is reflective in the child marriage movement as well. 
Absolutely. Um, boys, um, there, it's not as common as girls, but boys absolutely do get swept up in there. Um, some, some of the, the reasons for child marriage can be, um, um, to avoid child labor loss. Um, so we had one young man that reached out and said that he didn't want to get married. He wanted to go on to college and he wanted to do something different. Um, but the family really wanted him to work to marry this, this other young lady, and then they would be able to work in the, in the family store. Um, they had like a, like a grocery store. Yeah. And, um, so he tried to escape that. We've also had, um, um, teenagers that were questioning their sexuality, um, or exploring outside of, um, you know, what people consider norms. And, um, they were quickly pushed into marriages to try and correct that. Yeah, that's, well, that's, um, I was also wondering about, you know, that, that group as well. And, um, it, it made me think I have another question before we do our wrap up of what is in, in Indiana or federally, what is the punishment, um, for someone who is caught doing this? Um, is it, is it a felony or is there, you know, a certain amount of time that can be served? Um, yeah, there definitely is some um, very um, some some very harsh punishment to deter from this kind of behavior. Sure. But what you run into is children don't generally want their parents to go to jail, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, they don't. And then also prosecutors. I mean, it's such a you know that the family dynamics and you know if there's a cultural component to it, which by the way, child marriage is not part of any culture. Um, but you know, sometimes that, that is, that is the perception there. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're hesitant to prosecute, you know, maybe, maybe the victims won't cooperate kind of like the similar stuff we see in, in your regular human trafficking cases. But, um, in Indiana, it is actually, um, a crime, um, and it's part of our human trafficking statute to, um, marriage through fraud, um, force or coercion. Sure. Great. Thank you. Um, so I'll, I will wrap it up and ask you our final question uh, for our listeners. If you could share five main takeaways that you want folks to take from our conversation today, what would those be? Um, that would be that child marriage is not endorsed by any religion anywhere. Child marriage happens in all communities, cultures, ethnicities, and races. Child marriage has devastating effects such as poverty, health risks, mental health risks, higher rates of substance abuse, substance use. And it's really difficult for these young people to untangle themselves from it and rebuild their lives later. And then also too, um, you know, there are resources out, out there. If you want to learn more about it, if you want to educate yourself, if you want to pass it on to your friend, what you know, um, you know, our website is there. There's also some other great websites there. We've done a lot of documentaries and mm. talk shows and red table talk and all those mm. sorts of things. So the information is definitely out there. And then also, um, just really encourage people to, um, to follow what's going along, um, talk to their, their legislators and be, and be involved in that process. Wonderful. Fantastic. So if, if anyone's listening today and they wanted to get a hold of you, Genevieve, how would they go about doing that? They can find us at www.resiliency.com 
and you can send us a message. Our phone number is on there. You can send us a little card. Sometimes it's nice to get little cards, little little notes of encouragement. And then you can also sign up for our um, newsletter, which is relaunching soon. That's going to be filled with a lot of information that you won't want to miss and help you um, plug in to understand what's going on and how you can be part of it. And as always, um, if you feel led, we're happy to accept donations. Awesome. Well, you know, thank you so much, Genevieve. And I, and I encourage listeners, um, as Genevieve has said, you know, a couple of times through this conversation, have conversations about this, um, get educated, this, this conversation, there are plenty of things that you can do after this conversation to uh, learn more and definitely encourage everyone to reach out. If you have questions um, or want training or um, of course, compensate uh, and donate for training and things like that with with Genevieve's uh, organization, please do so. It, it, we need to keep having these conversations in Indiana. So um, thank you, Genevieve. It is so such a pleasure to uh, have been with you today on this. And I'm always just so thrilled with what you have to educate us with. Thank you for having Morgan. It's always a pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Unfiltered. As always, you can catch us on Facebook at Indiana Coalition to End Sexual Assault and Human Trafficking, as well as Instagram, hashtag Unfiltered with ICASAHT.